Good evening. This is a Tomorrow Christian Today, reading 2 Corinthians 8 in the NLT, but first and always we pray. Dear Lord, help us, Lord, in this world. This world's economy is not doing well. Some job cuts going on, Lord. Might be I might be impacted. Job cuts are coming. Nobody is safe. Everything is so uncertain. We are in end times for sure. Help us, Lord, to trust you more, love you more, read more, pray more, read your, read the Bible more, pray more, step away from false things, guard our hearts, and just ready ourselves, Lord, for you are surely coming very quickly. You are at the door, Lord. You're in the clouds. And if you are, if you are at the door, that means the Antichrist is here and he's going to make trouble and havoc. And most people are going to buy into his lies. Help us, Lord, fortify our minds that we will not buy into the lies. Somebody who comes along and who's religious and seems to say a bunch of good things, Lord, but it's really not you. It's, it's, it's the spirit of the devil. It's a demonic spirit. It's a spirit that's trying to replace you or it's an evil spirit trying to obliterate you. I'm not sure which, but help us to know the difference, Lord. Help us to be able to discern through the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, as we read your word. We are having a conversation with you. We are praying to you, Lord, and we are asking you to speak to us through your word. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Sorry, that prayer was a little long. When did I know? But I just say what's in my heart. So hopefully what's in my heart is in yours too. Yeah, I went to Cedarview Men's uh, Bible Study tonight. Absolutely love it. We're doing Romans 1. He says, it's mutual encouragement. I think one of the verses was mutual encouragement. And then Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I did say, you know, sometimes I am ashamed. I don't want to tell people in the gym I'm a Christian. You know, I want them to like me. And I know, you know, if you say a swear word or something, and I'm not saying that, Christians should, but yeah, something blurts out or you get a little carried away, you know, and then it's like, oh, that's how you are, eh? Or maybe people get a little quiet around you. So it's happened before. I mean, even when I wasn't sure about Jesus, but, you know, I'm pretty sure about Jesus now. Like, really, I'm not saying that I'm super, super cool and super perfect and super humble and super anything, but uh, definitely I feel like I've, I've been through stuff in the last five years is most most people have and even christians have but i think i just find my faith to just be really strong i know scripture is true i I work for one of the banks canadian banks and they said there's going to be some job cuts and i didn't even know that till the boss was we were having a meeting all of us on the team and he said there's going to be some job cuts and i realized we're having this meeting because they're scrutinizing everything we do and they're looking because audit you know you always have to have these records. You can't just do work ad hoc anymore. You have to have records. You have to have requests. You have to have paper trail. You have to have service now. It's just for records, right? Um, because they want to document the work that you're doing, the work that the company's paying for. You're not just, you know, they have to know everything you're doing. They're scrutinizing everything. And I just pray that people in my department, the, the older man who's, you know, he's like Mr. Encyclopedia Brown walking around. You know, he won't get cut. Or one of the team that I'm on, it won't get cut. Because if it's two people, it's going to be harder, you know. And I like the people I'm working with, actually. And uh, just kind of just kind of frightened that life and work is going to get harder. And the debts are piling up anyways, you know. But if I lose my job, it's I, I have no idea. What would I do? I just pray that the Lord will give me strength and my kids won't starve. I don't care about myself, really. I mean, I kind of do, but that I would still have enough work and muscle and power and strength to just make money for my children, you know. My children are my life. You know, Jesus is first, of course. My children are, are you know, 
a distant second, but they're my children, you know. Uh, what father doesn't love his children? So, anyways, let's read. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Uh, that's, you know, that's weird. I, I feel very joyful. I, I don't know. I, I haven't suffered like other people have. Some people have been very sick. Some people, you know, people struggling in that church that I just came from, struggling with a cancer. You know, people struggling with loneliness and isolation and men's loneliness is very high. I saw that on YouTube. It was a secular channel. And women are, are lonely and they can't find a good man. And there's just so much disconnect going on. Like if people cannot see that the devil is just roaring, he's trying to disconnect people, fill them with, with, with um, you know, put them into slavery, put them into bondage, try to get them to be uh, addicted to things, right? Addiction, you know, mental isolation and depression. And then that's how he destroys them. He isolates them from God. Like this world just throws up so much stuff, so much garbage, so much fake, false, empty, cold entertainment instead of the word of God, right? Hey, this is more exciting than reading your Bible. You know what? We just got to pray for each other and we just got to encourage each other, as Paul says in Romans 1. And we just got to read God's word. Read it in a language that you understand. Just read it. God wants to speak to you. He's speaking, you know. Look at how much mileage I got out of just a few verses. And I'm not even that smart. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So let's give ourselves to God. Because when we do, we are in the presence of power and happiness and joy. God is not, God is not bored. God's been alive forever and he'll be alive forever and we'll be with him and he'll never be bored. Right? People are just bored now. They're just, you know, trying to find some scrap of pleasure. But without God, it's just emptiness. It's just dribblings. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish his ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in the gracious art active giving. You know, I mean, churches encourage people to give, but you shouldn't be giving to somebody if, you know, they're not using the money spiritually. Like, well, how are they using the money? Is there transparency? Is the guy driving around in a Mercedes-Benz? You know, some of these guys who fleece Christians, you know, in the name of Jesus, you know, my will be done, which is you giving me all your money so I can drive around in a big house and then sell you little trinkets that are absolutely worthless, right? Just don't let that happen. Be discerning, okay? Be discerning in what you give. But yeah, the church needs resources. It needs to pay the bills. It needs to keep the lights on. It needs to, you know, when you go somewhere and they print out some paper and the pastor's preaching, it costs money, you know? Ink costs money. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. So we never command people, you know, you, you do anything because you love God, not because you're told to do something, right? That's the Old Testament. You're told to do something. It's rules. You got to listen to mommy and daddy, right? But one day you just go above the rules like love fulfills the law like the law is supposed to be just like is it just the law is it just legalism well if we're love fulfills the law if we're romans 13 verses 8 if we're the new covenant aren't we even more legalistic 
Like legalism has some negative connotations, like keeping the law is bad. Well, I think that's the only way you can keep the law is if you love God. Jesus kept the law perfectly. He went above the law. He says, I fulfilled the law. He didn't say he didn't say you have to go to church on a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever. He said, I am the Sabbath. I am your rest between um, yourself and God. You love God. You'll naturally fulfill the law. The, the way that a that a peach um, will sit in a round hole. Can't, peach a peach can't sit in a square hole because it's a peach. It's not square. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Yeah. I guess when we come to God, we present the perfect sacrifice. And what better sacrifice was the blessed Lord Jesus? He sacrificed himself so that we could come in the presence of God. That we could be made of the order of Melchizedek like he is. And that we are, don't have to be like a priest. Well, we are priests. But we can come into the most holy place because we have Jesus. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the one who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. So obviously saying, you know, if you're not making, you're trying to pay your bills. God knows this, you know. So God is not saying if you're, you know, God is not asking you to give unrealistically. I mean, we do have faith. The one lady in the church said, when you ask God from something, ask big. But this other lady who was the treasurer of the church said, you know, Jesus does say, she quoted the, the, the verse where Jesus says, what person does not sit down and if he's going to build a wall or a tower, decide, okay, what resources do I have? And I laughed because she said that and because she's the treasurer and she's kind of, she's very kind of, um, very methodical. Like, like she's the, she was the church treasurer. She's an accountant. And she says, you know, people don't think I have faith because I say things like that. And I just laughed. She said it in such a deadpan way. She almost sounded like Selma on Night Court, you know, where Selma says, I laughed, I cried. It became a part of me. <laughs> <laughs> then she would pull out the cigarette and smoke it and her voice was all grainy and <laughs> crackly, right? But she said, I laughed, I cried, it became a part of me. In this in this monotonic voice, it was just funny. And of course she was Jewish, right? So, you know, Jewish people, just, anything they say is just done well. You know, just, you know, Arthur Fonzarelli, you know, he's, you know, Henry Winkler's Jewish, right? He's not Italian, but everybody was combing their hair like Fonz. In, in my school. It was it was craziness, man. It was utter madness. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Right? Whatever you have, you're just giving it, you're giving, you're giving it eagerly. You're giving it with your heart, not because you're obligated to do it. And give according to what you have, not what you not what you don't have. See, so Paul is not asking you to be unrealistic. Of course, I don't mean you giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourself. See, that, that's realistic. When people say all these objections, oh, you Christians, you're just fleecing people. Well, some of the people who are getting fleeced should actually pay attention and not be so gullible. They should actually read the Bible. I mean, some people don't read the Bible and they're very sweet people. But honestly, we got a devil and he's going to use, he's going to try to weaponize the Bible and make people feel guilty when they don't have to. Oh, you didn't put it anything in the pot. You didn't give like a million dollars, even though your salary is only $10,000 per year. 
you're just a bad Christian. No, no, Satan take, Satan tries to weaponize the Bible and he tries to delete some of it. And Paul is saying, be realistic in what you can do. If you want to do something, do it out of a joyous heart. Not because you're obligated, but you also need to be realistic. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who have gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. I mean, this is coming from, you know, Paul who was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he said he said it, he thought it, he wrote it, or God thought it, God wanted him to write it. I don't know how it works exactly. It just seems to me that this is very logical what he wrote down. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the King James says. But I like the NLT because to me it's very easy to understand. So I think it was very close to this and the meaning has not been changed. Verse 16 about Titus and his companions. But thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. And that's what Paul says in Romans 1, mutual encouragement. You know, are you excited about the word of God? Does it excite you? Does God, the spirit of God, because I think... I think in my life there have been times when I haven't been excited and I've just sort of been running on fumes. And, you know, maybe that's going to happen. Maybe you're in a valley right now. Just hold on and that God will give you the Holy Spirit and that you will, you will, you're in the valley right now, but you'll start climbing the mountain. You'll be, you know, some days are great. Some days you're flying. Some days you're not. Like when I read the thing about the bank cuts, I got scared. I got scared, you know, pr prayer and pet. Pray and panic? I usually panic. P panic and pray? Whatever. I just panic first. I got scared today. Like, you know, I'm a certain age. It could get, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess I could find some part-time stuff if that's necessary. Maybe, see, I'm just worrying. See that? I, I'm looking into the future. I don't know what's going to happen. Instead of trusting in God, I'm inventing all these scenarios and they're all bad. So I'm just going to try to calm down, try to be cool. And let it, whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. God will take care of me. I'm not a passive person. I'm, I'm going to assume that God's going to help me. I don't want to get kicked out of my nice little apartment. I've been here for three and a half years, and this is my castle. I miss my children, but it is what it is. I'll just have to assume that God will help me line up something if something were bad to happen at the bank. Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. We are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem. A service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. We are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to the honorable before the Lord, to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. And I think that that's really the mark of a good church, you know, good stewardship, right? You don't just take the money and do whatever you want. Like um, we started collecting the tithe again. We weren't doing it during COVID, but, you know, that's kind of past. So, of course, it's, you know, I, I'm not afraid to, to, to pass around a plate anymore. Like I used to be really afraid to go up to the front. Like People can see me. I really don't care. But, but I get help. But the thing is, like before I pass around the plates, um, the person, somebody will come up to the front and pray and if it's me, if I get tapped to do that, I always pray, Lord, help us to, you know, wisely steward the money that you give us through the offering. Because it's not my money. It's not anybody's money. It's God's money. 
And if you want to steal from people, you're going to be stealing from God. And that's a really bad idea. Preachers who do that, you know, maybe because they've become corrupted, you know, it's like they started out really well and they decide they can help themselves to the kitty or to the tail, whatever, because they're the minister. That's a really, that's, that's pride and narcissism run amok. If you're stealing from God, you're stealing out of the church funds, you're stealing money to get yourself a bigger house or get yourself an F-150 or F-350, or you're going on vacations and trips with God's money and saying, oh, God is helping me to be a better pastor so I can be a better service to you. Like, you're stealing from God. Don't do it. And I think that's what Paul means when he says, I'm, I'm traveling with a bunch of people to guard against any criticism. I don't know if this is true, but I heard Mr. Graham was traveling with a bunch of godly men just in case wherever he was preaching, people would come up to him and talk to him. And it might be some women who might be enamored by the fact that here's a tall man and he's preaching the word of God and he's a godly man. And I'd like to, you know, talk to him about this and, oh, he's just a wonderful person. And, you know, we're kind of taken with him or something like that. And I don't think Billy Graham was that kind of a person. But you know what? Just to make sure that everything is squeaky clean, I've got some guys around me that are accountable. And we talk about guys having other guys around them that are accountable. I don't know about the ladies. I'll let them figure it out what they want to be doing, you know, as a group. But Christian men really do need other dudes that they can trust, right? Don't go telling your business to everybody that is in the group. But there's a lot of guys in the in the um, men's group um, at this at the church that I'm in, and you know we say some confidential things in there. Nothing, nothing dicey or shady or bad or negative. But you know, friendships form. Guy says, "Hey, I'm struggling with something. Can you pray for me?" And other guy says, "Sure, man. You don't have to tell me what it is. Let's just pray for you." But just being accountable to God and 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 through God, accountable to other dudes who want to help you be a better version of of you which is to be a better christian hey i discovered some new there's some anti-social anti-social there's some social media called bperk have you ever heard of this and it's like christian it's like christian instagram or whatever i had to get off instagram um for one it was social media is kind of addictive to me and instagram and tiktok way too much nudity not nudity but way too much I, I, I did not feel good about it, and I think there's a lot of Christian stuff on TikTok, and some of the, somebody has imported some of their TikTok videos into Perk, but it doesn't have all this nastiness on it. That's what the world is doing. It's trying to fill up its emptiness with the flesh. And if you're a dude, if you're single, if this is something you struggle with, if you, you need to, I don't need to tell people what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. And I don't need to give you unsolicited advice because you don't know me. Uh, but maybe you need to get off it. I don't know if there's other uh, social um, alternatives, right? Christian stuff. I don't. I haven't really investigated, to be honest. I don't know if there's like a Christian version of Facebook and, you know, there's Christian websites, ChristianPost.com. I remember reading that a long time ago. And there's just Christian social media. But I found this one, and it looks pretty good. looks a little bit, you know, uh, not as many people on there, but definitely not the level of flesh that I saw on Instagram. It says, verse 21, We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. Verse 22, We are also sending with them another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. 
He is now even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches and they bring honor to Christ. We want to bring honor to Christ. We don't want to bring dishonor to him. You know, anything you do and say, you know, people can say, well, we don't really care. But unbelievers are watching you. They're either testing you. They're seeing how you live up to your standards. If you fall, they may uh, they may clap or they may say, it's okay, you know, whatever. Or they may understand or maybe they won't. I don't know. Um, and you don't want to let God down, right? There's a lot of really do good Christian dudes out there. And, you know, I, I just talked, I, I just listen to what other people say. I'm not really a talker. I'm not really like a word salad person when it comes to the real world. I just kind of look, listen, and learn. Jesus said to be humble, to be malleable, to be teachable. And he's going to teach you. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you. God, our Father's going to teach you. And sometimes wisdom may come through uh, another Christian man or maybe even an unlikely source, maybe a non-Christian person, but, you know, like I say, anybody says something to you that you're not sure about, you pray about it. You pray about it. They bring honor to Christ. I want to bring honor to Christ. I don't want to live the life I had before. I want to I want to I want Jesus to transform me so that I want to do what is right. For we're not saved by works but by grace. But the spirit of grace is chiseling you, transforming you, changing you from a man-centered heart, a man-centered heart of stone to a soft heart, a a soft heart of the spirit. So that anything you do or say will be a a fruit of that. And it will be, it will be a sweet incense to God. Because your life will just be so amazing and, and you'll be so different compared to other people. And they will see it's like, this guy's nice, he's not faking it. This guy's really different. They may not like it. They may be jealous. They may watch you. But inwardly, they may be wondering too. I want, where did this guy get this power? He really is this way. I don't like his faith, but I'm, but I'm intrigued. I, I want to like it. Your, your life is a, is, is a reflection of God. You can't be Jesus, but you can be a reflection of his image. And people will notice. Believe me. Women will notice. Other dudes will notice. The world will notice. It's like this guy can be trusted. He's deadpan honest. He's moral. He's decent. He's respectable. Verse 24. So show them your love and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified. I have a feeling that Jesus is boasting about us to God our Father. And I have a feeling that God is looking down at us and he's smiling. He's smiling. And one day the smiling father is going to say, Jesus, yes, sir, go get your children. Yes, sir, because they're my children too. What a glorious day that will be. What a day that will be.